Uh, we got a couple things real quick this morning before we get started. Um, you may have seen on the Facebook page that we're going to do the month of uh, April, we're going to collect uh, gift cards for the North Carolina Baptist uh, Children's Home. It's, they call it the Food Roundup. Um, so what we're going to try to do, and, I, and we're one of these, and it's pretty simple. Uh, if you can, if you're at the grocery store and you think about it, grab a, a gift card to a grocery store somewhere where they can get uh, food, and uh, just whether it's $10, $5, whatever it is, if you can just kind of keep bringing those in this month, we're, we're going to do about a $1,000 goal. Bring them in on Sundays or Wednesdays and drop them in this box. We'll set the box out here in the foyer, and you just we're going to try for about $1,000 worth of cards this year, and then we'll turn those in at the end of the month to the, the association and get those turned over to the children's home. I think it's a great thing. Uh, I was talking to Rita about it a little bit and Conley, and um, I know in the past y'all had taken up food, but this year we'll, we'll do it a little different and we'll just take up the cards. They said they'd rather have cards now so they can get exactly what they need uh, when they need it. So we'll be doing that starting uh, Thursday, <laughs> last Thursday is when we started, and we'll put that box out. If you have any questions, uh, we have tasked uh, Kristen Turbyfield with that one, whether she likes it or not, and she's not here, she can't say no. <laughs> So we'll, we'll do that. Um, and speaking of Wednesday night, I guess we're going to kick back up this Wednesday. Right? Yeah. We'll be back starting Wednesday night. Uh, so be with us 7 o'clock. Uh, youth will have their thing, and adults will have their thing. And I don't know where we're at with Paul and the journey. <laughs> I have to start all over. I don't know. But we'll we'll get back in uh, to the swing of things this Wednesday night. Um, I think that's it for this month. I think. You think anything else? Uh, for everybody that was able to to prepare the meal this morning, thank you. You made my day. I told VJ out there. I said the gravy was so bad I had to dip my bacon in it just just to eat it. It was it was awful. No, not really. It was really good. <laughs> I missed it. Uh, Tabitha said she thought I was going to be shouting through the, the fellowship hall because we was able to eat, and I said I would have, but my mouth was full. <laughs> it was good, and then. Well, Andrew's back there by herself, but and they've got a lot of good stuff going on up in the holler right now. So, Sage, doing good? Good. Yep. It's been a y'all. I, I can tell you. I mean, it it sounds it sounded bad. Yep. I tell you, I. We just see it, and that's uh, that's that's the God we serve, and that's the one we prayed to, and and He done a great work in both of them, not just uh, not just Jerry with 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 Sage as well. Um, young ladies like that shouldn't have a kidney stone either, and uh, but we just seen a great work take place there with uh, with Jerry, especially Jerry, and with Sage, and appreciate the prayers, and I know they appreciate it. I just it seems like every time Andrew would call me. I'd be on the road, and I was just—I didn't know whether to stop or speed up or what. But it was just—it was just. I tell you what, we've needed it. We've needed to. We've needed it. That's encouraging for us, um, and it still—it reminds us that He's still in control. Amen. We preach it, talk about it a lot, uh, but it, it takes things like that to remind us that He truly is in control, and He truly is uh, the great physician. He can do great things. This morning we're going to be over in John chapter twenty. Believe it or not. I bet that surprised everybody, didn't it? John chapter 20. And we're going to look at, I hate to talk about it, but we're actually going to look at death today. 
briefly. Several people asked me if I could keep this short this morning because they ate too much. I had I had to eat m- most of it because Mike wasn't here. I mean, he I had to eat twice as much gravy for you, but we're yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's why I don't button my coat anymore. Uh, but we're going to be looking at death, and uh, one of the things that we um, that I've read, and and this is a, it's a true story, and it comes back from in the '90s during Desert Storm. And one of the things that happened during Desert Storm, just like any war, was there was a lot of casualties that took place with American soldiers. And there was a story written about a mom, who received, her name was Ruth, and she received a phone call uh, from the Pentagon saying that her son had stepped on a mortar and was killed. And that story, whenever she received that phone call, the story says that she wept for three days straight. She could not stop crying. And then on the third day, she gets a phone call from her son said mom there was a mistake I was injured but I wasn't killed and that mom said she didn't know whether to do backflips to cry a little bit more or to shout out of joy she didn't know what to do because of the mixed emotions that came from the fact that her son was still alive I can't imagine that I can I've been on the other end where I've been there when they have to give those death notifications and um, that's not that's not uh, good. I mean, it's, that's, that's heartbreaking to be a part of that. Um, so this morning, we're going to look at a, a story similar to that. Um, this one, it's similar, but it's almost totally different as well. The disciples, the family members, the friends, the followers of Jesus had watched him. They, they watched him be dra- dragged from the garden. They watched him go through his trial. They watched him... As they beat him, they watched in horror as all this took place uh, to Jesus. They watched him die. They watched him hang on that cross. They watched him say, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And they watched him give up the ghost. Now, I don't know if y'all have this new thing called Discovery Plus. Has anybody got that yet? It's a new, I think you can get on the internet now. But they kept getting, what? Okay, so Madison because I got it last night just for this one thing. There's a new show called Resurrection. It's an a hour and a half movie about the resurrection. I watched that last night as I was studying. I cried. It's good, folks. That's a, that's, a good, that's a good movie. And it's brand new. just come out. It's called Resurrection. It is the story of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. And it really helped me with this because what I'm preaching on today is just that, that resurrection, that moment in time when my Jesus stepped foot out of that tomb, those folks that were with him, his friends, his family, his followers, they were all there. They watched him die. They watched him be placed inside that tomb. They knew he was dead, but on the third day, he did not break his promise. Remember, he told them, on the third day, I'll be alive. I will come back. I'm going to, he didn't say he'd roll a stone away, but he said, I will be back on that third day. And he did it. He did not break that promise. One of the things I was looking at, and because y'all know, I've told you this before, I like the, the graphic details that go along with the crucifixion. So some of the things I was thinking about when it came to this crucifixion was this. There's no mistake he was dead. He had, and I talked about this the other night too, he had faced 39 lashes at the hands of the Romans. Remember that? He, he was beat. He had spikes driven through his wrist and his feet, a spear thrust in his side. 
He hung on that cross for six hours. Six gruesome, miserable hours trying to breathe. And um, then after that, uh, once he, they confirmed he was dead with that spear in his side, they took his body off the cross. Took it off the cross. And in that movie last night, it showed John actually carrying him. Just, just John picked him up and carried him into the tomb. And then, once he was placed in the tomb, Nicodemus comes through, and he bathes Jesus' body. He washes the blood off of Jesus' body. Then he anoints the body of Jesus, and he puts those spices and those, those uh, things on him. And then he wraps him in strips of linen, and he bounds his feet, and he bounds his hands, and he lays that napkin across his head. This is Jewish tradition. They did all this. You don't just do this on a whim. You don't just do this because, oh, uh, he's sleeping. Let's, let's just uh, let's play a prank on him and, and bound up his hands. No, this was Jesus. This was Jesus dead, lifeless body. He had given up the ghost. He was no longer here with us. So we know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, we know that Jesus was crucified. We know he was dead. Now, some of you have faced the death of a loved one, some recently, some not so recently. That's one of the hardest things that we have to go through in this life is the, the, the fact that we no longer have that loved one with us. It's hard, and, and it's a fact that we can't ignore it. It's going to happen. We're going to have to face that, and we're going to have to face it multiple times through our lifetime sometimes. All of us have to face death at some point, whether it's our own or with someone else that we love. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, uh, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. The fact that we all face death, it offers very, very little comfort. It, we don't like to talk about that. Nobody wants to talk about death. Not even the disciples, the followers of Jesus, they did not, it never sunk in what Jesus was trying to tell them about his death, that he was going to die. It never sunk in until it happened. They did not realize it until it happened, and then it sunk in, reality sunk in, and then they were like, oh, he was right. What gets me is, if they knew he was right then, why didn't they know before the resurrection that he wasn't going to break that promise? That's just me. If he was right about his death, you know he's going to be right about his resurrection. And he told him that. Since the beginning of time, man has feared death. That's one of the things that it, it's, it, it makes us a slave. We become slaves to the fear of death. There are so many people in this world right now that are absolutely terrified of the fact that they are going to die or they are going to lose someone. And it bounds them to the fact that they don't even have a relationship with people. They're so scared of losing someone that they can't even have that relationship. So we're going to look at this morning, we're going to look at this death and, and the light that Jesus has shown on death and, and the goodness that comes from his death and resurrection. If you've got your Bibles open, we're going to be over in John chapter 20. Stand with me just a moment as we read this. I love this. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene, early when it was yet dark into the sepulcher and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved 
and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, and came to the sepulchre. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did overrun Peter, and came first to the sepulchre. And he stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter, following him, and went into the sepulchre, and seeth the linen cloths lie. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, was wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also the other disciple, which came first to the sepulchre, and he saw, I like this, and believed. For as yet they knew not the sepulchre, or the scripture, sorry, that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again into their own home. But Mary stood without at the sepulchre weeping, and she wept. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulchre, and seeth two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She supposing him to be the gardener saith unto him, Sir, if thou have borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary, she turned herself and saith unto him, Rabboni, which is rabbi, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father and your Father and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things unto her. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled, for fear of the Jews, came Jesus, and stood in the midst, and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Let's pray. Father, this morning as, a, as we celebrate such a glorious day, Lord, the resurrection, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, what an honor it is to be here uh, with your people, as we celebrate the fact that we should not fear death, the fact that you have conquered death in the grave. And Lord, I pray that it gives someone hope here this morning. If there be someone here that has a fear of dying, if they have a fear of the everlasting, of where they may spend eternity, Father, I pray that today would clear it up for them. Lord, I pray today would be the day that they find salvation. I pray today that they would find peace of knowing Jesus. Lord, we cannot thank you again for sending your only begotten Son to be brutally crucified on that cross just for us, to bear our sins, to take on the burdens of this entire world upon himself, on his shoulders. Lord, I don't know where to begin this morning with thanking you, but thank you for sending him just for me. Lord, I pray today we'd honor this resurrection, we'd honor your Son, Jesus, and pray, Lord, that you would just bless our time that we have here together. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. The Bible says Jesus came to free us from fear of death. I think he done a good job. 
the fear of death. Why should a Christian fear death? We've got nothing to fear. Nothing, not a thing to fear. As a Christian, when we're gone, things get so much better for us. We get the new body. All the things that we read in Revelation, we get the new body. We don't have to worry about crying. There's going to be no more tears, no more uh, crying. There's no more weeping. There's going to be no more pain, no more sorrow. We know what we're not going to have to face anymore. When we don't have to face death anymore, we need to, well, when we don't have to, to worry about uh, the tears and the crying and all that takes place here on earth, the sin that takes place here on earth, why do we fear death? We shouldn't. We should rejoice in knowing that we're not going to have to put up with this mess any longer. So we have nothing to fear. One of the reasons Jesus went to the cross, according to the Bible, um, was, uh, to, again, to conquer that fear. And so we wouldn't have fear. He said, he said I'm going to take that away. I want to take that fear away from you. That fear of the, the torment that you would have to go through. And so many people and so many churches say there's a purgatory. There's a place where you just go and rest. You don't have, there is no purgatory. And so I think that was just made up because people feared death. And so there was a way to get around the fear of death, and that's to say there's a middle, middle ground there. You can just go to purgatory and hang out for a while. It's going to be like a lounge. All right, so instead of going one way or the other, why don't you just go hang out in the lounge for a while and take away that fear? That's not what Jesus did. Jesus didn't uh, take away the fear of the lounge. He took away the fear of death for a Christian and gave us, she gave us a peace. We should have that peace in us, knowing where our home is going to be and what eternity is going to look for. It's not hard to imagine where fear comes from, though, as a human. And I'm going to give you a couple little uh, facts here about fear. We fear the loss of those close to us. Yes, we do. That's... Folks, I'm telling you, that's one of the hardest things. That's uh, Becoming an adult, that's one of the worst parts about becoming an adult is the fact that you start growing close to a loved one and then you, they go. They, they have to go. Um, they leave us, and that, that hurts. And we fear that uh, losing that close someone that we have. We watch the loved ones go through this death, the death process, and it, man, it, it gets you. And we ask questions. We, we always ask questions when it comes to death. You know, we ask things like, were they in pain? You know, did they, did, were, they, were they comfortable when they went? And we, we ask these little questions in our, in our minds. And am I going, here's one of the things that hurts. Am I going to be alone? They're gone now. Will I be alone? Is there going to be somebody to take their place? Somebody to heal? Somebody that will fill that void for me? And then we ask, this is the big question too, what's next? What's next for me? We don't really worry about what's next for them. If they're a believer, we know what's next for them, but what's next for me? And so we ask those questions. Then we have the fear of the unknown. The unknown. Death makes us feel like we are not in control of our lives. Guess what? You're not. You are not in control. God is in control. God is in complete control of your life. God knows the moment that you're going to be born. He knows the moment that you're going to leave this earth. He knows. So we need to understand, we've got to realize that you're not in control. The only thing that you are in control of is where you're going to spend eternity. 
And that would be accepting Jesus and going to heaven or rejecting Jesus and going to hell. That's the only thing that you really have control of. But you have to do it now before it's too late because you're not going to get a second chance. Not everybody's going to have that deathbed salvation. Not everybody's going to have that last moment in their life where they can accept Jesus right before they die because we don't know when we're going to, get, when we're going to die. The uh, Bible tells us that we're, our life is like a vapor. And then we have the fear of what we will leave behind, or, or not leave behind, one of the two. Our, will our families be able to cope? We have that question. Are, are they going to be able to financially function without me here? So we have these questions in our minds when it comes to death. And then we have the fear of regret. We have, done, have we done all that we could do? Have we done it all? Yeah. Live the good life. Do all that you can while you can. Have no regrets in your life. So these are questions that we tend to ask ourselves when it comes to death. Jesus didn't ask one of these questions. He didn't ask himself one thing. He had no regrets whatsoever. He came to seek and to save that which is lost, which is us. See, he has no regrets. He knew that his Father's will would be fulfilled by his death on the cross. He knew that his Father's will would be fulfilled by that resurrection. And he knew, he knew that there was going to be people reject him. He knew it. He still knows it. There's still going to be people to reject him. He knew it. But he has and had no regrets whatsoever of what took place that day. Now, the Bible talks about fear. And I'm going to talk about five things briefly this morning about fear. And I promise you they'll be brief. Fear. Now, you can go in your Bible, and you can find verse after verse, you can find chapter after chapter in our Bibles about fear. And when I was studying this, if I was to print out all the Scripture, just give you all a sheet of Scripture that has to do with fear, do you know how many pages I'd have to print per person? Either 77 pages front and back, or 114 pages, or 100, yeah, 114 pages, something like that. About 114 pages total. If I was just to print out scripture after scripture after scripture of fear and how we can, we can overcome this fear, that's a lot of scripture about fear. And that's, that's telling us that we need to be uh, turning to the Word of God when it comes to fear, if we have fear. First thing we're going to look at, uh, believe me, this, this is the truth right here. You will not be alone. You will not be alone. Bible tells us. He says that I'm going to be with you. He said, I will not leave you. And so we don't have to worry about that. We, we take that scripture and we think about that scripture being right now, in this present moment right now, he's not going to leave us. Well, guess what? He's not going to leave us when it's time for us to go either. When it's time for him to call us home, he's not going to say enough is enough. You're on your own here at the very end. He walks us. He takes us into that promised land. He has us whenever it's time for us to go. Amen. He leads us. Because he said he'd never leave us. The very one who conquered death is going to walk us through this. Uh, secondly, we know more about death than we actually realize. I know y'all think this is probably really morbid this morning, but it gets better. Trust me. We, we know more about death than we realize. We don't have to to be in the dark about death. There's a lot here that we need to talk about. The Bible has 
all these verses in the Bible that deal with death that we have got to study. There's, there's again, scripture after scripture, chapter after chapter in the Bible talks about, talks about death and how we can overcome this fear of death. And we need to be reading it. The third thing is our fear of regret has to be fixed, and it's got to be fixed now. The fear of regret. How many of y'all have a regret? I don't have to raise your hand, but just think back in your life. Do you regret something that you did, something that you may have said, the way you've treated someone, the way you've acted around people? Do you have regrets? Mike, do you regret buying that Ford yet? That's what I thought. He didn't amen it. He just nodded his head. I'm going to tell you this right here. If you have a regret, you need to fix it now. Don't wait. Don't wait. If you have something, let me tell you what Paul says over in Romans. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Paul hit the nail on the head right there. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. He's saying deal with it. If you've got a regret, if you've got something going on in your life and you just, if it makes you so miserable you can't sleep at night because you need to ask for forgiveness from someone, you've got to, you've got to right a wrong with somebody. Paul's telling us we've got to fix it. Deal with it now. Don't go to your grave with regrets. If it's been a while since you told somebody you loved them, you better be picking up the phone and give them a call or going by and visit them. Don't go to your grave with regrets. You may not be able to fix everything right now, but you need to try. We've got to at least put forth an effort. And if they don't accept it, it's their problem, not yours. You just got to do the best that you can. If you have a regret now, we've got to deal with it. Stephen Covey wrote this one time. He said, I don't know anyone who on their deathbed said, I wish I had spent more time at the office. I don't either. Usually that's one of the regrets that people have. Is they've spent too much time away from their family. They've spent too much time at the office or doing whatever they enjoy doing that's not with their family. That's usually their biggest regret. And the other big regret that most Christians have on their deathbed is they didn't get saved sooner than they did. They didn't get to live a, a, a Christian life as long as they did. And I can see that. Because it's a great life to live. It's a great life to live. So yeah, there are regrets. I wish I'd have went to church earlier in life. I wish I'd got saved a lot sooner than I did. But you know what? You got saved. That's what matters. You may not have got to live your entire life as a Christian and, and doing godly things or being called into ministry or whatever it is, but you know what? You got saved. That's what matters. Nobody's ever regretted being saved. If y'all ever find somebody that regretted being saved, let me know. Talk to them. I believe our regret, if there is any, will be over what we do or what we did or didn't do for the people we love. That's usually the biggest regret. What didn't I do for the ones that I love? So fix that regret that you might have. Deal with it today. Fourth, death of someone we love can cause you to examine our faith. What's one of the things that we, especially whenever we lose somebody that we're not planning on losing, what's one of the first things we ask? Why God? Why 
did you do this? Why did they go now? Why, why, why did you need them that back now? Why? That's what we ask. Why? Death of someone we love causes us to examine our faith a lot closer. Not only the death of someone, but when we have to go through things in life where they are sick, we get a little bit closer to God. This is my opinion. We, got, we tend to get a lot closer to God. We have to rely on God a lot more because we can't get through this, this death, this, uh, this mournful time, or even this time of sickness. We can't do this on our own. We've got to have God in our lives. We've got to examine our faith, and that's a good thing. Thomas did that too. We just read about Thomas a little bit. No, we didn't. We'll worry about him in a minute. Thomas had to examine his faith a little bit closer. A little bit closer. What we remember about uh, more about Thomas than anything was his doubt. We ca- what do we call him? It's not just Thomas. We call him Doubting Thomas. But he, he doubted the resurrection. He was a skeptic. That's what Thomas was. Maybe you are too this morning. We learn later that Thomas was not with the disciples, of course, whenever Jesus came back. Look, I love his response over here. In verse 25 it says, The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nails, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. That's Thomas's. Doubting Thomas. That's the skeptic Thomas that we see there. But we know that got fixed pretty quick. The disciples go back and they tell him, uh, that he's, that he's alive, that he is alive, he is, he is talking, he is, he's here, he's back, just like he said he was. Don't doubt, Thomas, he really, truly is here. But death causes us to examine our faith, it caused Thomas to do it. That, and again, that's a good thing. We can't just walk through the valley of the shadow of death without asking questions, but we don't have to be afraid. We shouldn't be afraid. Of death, And number five, the last one, death of someone we love can offer us a new perspective. When we lose someone, we realize the brevity of life. We realize how short life is. Let me tell you, me and Marie was talking about this. Start with Rick. So over at Beach Valley Baptist Church, they had Rick Harmon passed away. And then Ron Harmon passed away. And then, was it Mary? Passed away, Mary Harmon. And then Willard Harmon passed away this week. That's four. That's all Harmons at Beach Valley. Four. Three within three weeks of each other and one a couple months ago. You realize how short life is. The brevity of life. You realize that life is but a vapor. It's what the Bible tells us. We're here for just a brief moment. It's just like water being spilt in the ground. You can't get it back. Folks, we got to get things right, and we got to get things right now. God is calling his people home right now. If you don't believe me, turn to the, go to the obituaries. I don't know about up here in Newland, but I tell you, over uh, Austin and Barnes and Hamptons over in Boone, the obituary, it is ridiculous at the number of deaths going on right now. God is calling his children home right now. I don't know what he's got in store. I don't know if we're next. I don't know if the rapture gets ready to hit and he's just getting a few of them out of the way now. But he is calling his children home. And we've got to be ready. You've got to be ready when he does.
because you ain't going to have a second chance. He's going to, it's gone. That's it. Boom, we're out of here. That quick. Be ready for it. Bible says, again, life is like a vapor. Here for just a moment, and we're gone the next. So we respond in a variety of ways with uh, when death confronts us. There's different ways that we, we look at death. And now let's get into the meat of this thing. We're going to actually look at the resurrection. So some doubt like Thomas, and that's, that's, you know, that's one of the things that uh, it happens. Um, we act like it will never happen to us. We're never going to have to face it, but we are. We're going to have to face it. Thomas would not believe until he got to see Jesus himself. Now, I'm going to look at Mary Magdalene next. Some people are confused about death. Mary Magdalene, she's a prime example of confusion, of death. She had demons cast out of her. And then what's the next thing that happened? After they were cast out, she became a devoted follower. And I'll be honest with you, she followed him all the way to the cross. And then she was the first one there when the tomb was rolled away. She was the first one to go in and say, he's not here. She followed him all the way to the grave. But at the same time, she was confused. She thought when Jesus spoke that he was the gardener. She thought that the gardener had just moved the body and said, hey, where'd you put him? I'm here to anoint this body. Where's he at? She was confused, but then he spoke her name. I love that. Right here, he says, Mary. Jesus saith unto her, Mary. He spoke her name, and she, that confusion went away. He spoke her name, and she said, Rabbi. She said, Master. She knew exactly who it was. So death can do us the same way. It can confuse us because Jesus is alive. He promises us that all of us that walk through death as believers will go into heaven, and we're going to live again, and we're going to live forever. That's a promise that he made us through the resurrection. He promises us eternal life. And we're going to get it. We will have eternal life once we leave this earth. We're going to have it. Now, I'm a nerd. When it comes to history, I love some history stuff. And so one of the things I was reading this week about history, was back in 1887, 22 years after the assassination of Abraham Lincoln, guess what they did? 22 years after the assassination, they dug him up. For 22 years, there was rumors that the body of Lincoln had been stolen and was not in his tomb. So 22 years after his burial, they dug him up. Lo and behold, there he was. But that wasn't good enough. 14 years later, they did it again. They still had rumors. Now, at that time, they were, they were doing some renovations on his, on his uh, monument, and, and they had to dig him up and move his casket over. But they said, since people say that his body was stolen again, hey, let's... Uh, Let's, let's dig him up. Let's just look one more time. Because, you know, after this, they, they poured 10 feet of concrete around him, and there ain't nobody still in that body. So 22 years and then 14 years, because people thought that they had stolen the body, that they dug it up, and they had to have proof that Lincoln was still in the grave. Still in the grave. Three days after the death of Jesus, there were similar rumors. Y'all know it. The Romans, the Jews, they all kind of conspired together, and they said, hey, let's just say that his followers, they just stole the body. 
Let's just say that they took it away. So they had to set these rumors straight. Only this time, there were no witnesses who could say that they had seen his body in the grave. All the witnesses said they seen his body alive. They seen him and they spoke to him. Uh, here's a few of uh, Mary Magdalene, of course, we just read about her. Then his mother Mary. And then the disciples with Tom, without Thomas. And then the disciples with Thomas. Then the two that wrote of, to Emmaus seen him. And then he spoke to the 500. Then he spoke to James. And I'll throw this one out there too. I believe he spoke to Saul, Paul, whatever you want to call him. But he was alive and people seen him. They, there, was no, there should be no rumors that the body of Jesus had been taken because that man is still alive. That tomb was empty and still to this day remains empty. There's no one in that tomb because he is alive. As great a man as Lincoln was, there were witnesses to prove that his grave still contained his body. If a leader of our government right now was to call out to Lincoln for help, there would be no response. If a scientist right now was to cry out to Einstein for help, there would be no response. If somebody in this world was to cry out to Buddha or Gandhi or Muhammad right now for help, they would, they, there would be no response. If a preacher behind the pulpit right now stood up and cried out to Billy Graham for help, there would be no response. But as Christians, if we are to cry out for help right now to Jesus Christ, we get a response. We get the Holy Spirit. We get power because He is alive. Because of the resurrection, we have something. We have hope. We have blessed hope. We have a, a blessed assurance of knowing that we serve a living God, a living Savior. We have a shepherd that's tending to his flock. We have a God that loves us. We have a man sitting on the right hand of God right now that's interceding on our behalf. We serve a living, loving God right now because of the resurrection. That's my Jesus. He's not in no tomb. I've been to that tomb and it's still empty. He is still alive. You can cry out to whoever you want to right now, but you won't get a response. I can't tell you how many times that I've lost it. Sitting in my truck, sitting in my tree stand, sitting in my office, All I want to do is cry out to my grandpa. Say, help me with this. Help me with that. What would you do? I'll get no response. But I can sit in my truck, or I can sit in my tree stand, or in my office, or wherever I want to be. And if I call out to Jesus right now and say, now and say Lord, I need your help, he's there. Amen. He is right there with me. Right. I need that response. And I have that response. You can have that response. But all you have to do is cry out to him. He will come back. and he, He's going to come into your heart and he's going to speak to you because he is alive.
because he is alive. Can I say it again? He is alive. I have absolutely no doubt in my heart. How do you speak of Jesus and not have that in your heart, not feel that, that flutter in your heart, not put a little giddy up in your hitch whenever you talk about Jesus? Because he is alive. That's what happens. You say the name of Jesus, and, and it, it is like, it's just something goes off in your heart. Something good goes off in your heart. Because he is alive. I'm going to finish up with this story right here. You'll like this. There's a park in California. And there's a rope hanging out of a tree. And there's a rock tied to that rope. And there's a sign above that rock and that rope, and the sign says this, Weather Station Report, check the rock. And down below it is a list of things. It says if the rock is wet, it's raining. If the rock is dry, it's not raining. If you can't see the rock, it's foggy. If the rock is moving, it's windy. If the rock is missing, there's probably a tornado. Y'all probably seen that with the mule's tail, ain't you? I like the mule's tail better. But here's what I want you to get out of this right here. It's funny, but there's, there's some truth behind this right here. Listen to this. If you feel empty, if you feel lost, if you feel abandoned, if you feel like you can't do something on your own, if you feel like there is no hope in tomorrow, I'm going to tell you to check with the rock. I'm not talking about the rock hanging from the tree. I'm talking about my Jesus. Check with the rock. Check with the one who is no longer in that tomb. Check with the one that conquered death, hell, and the grave. That's, that's why I left these keys up here this morning. I love that he's got the keys to death, hell, and the grave. And he just shakes them. I know this is immature, but I always thought about this with Jesus. I, always, I could always picture him holding these keys and just shaking them in the devil's face. Ha, ha, ha. Look what I got. That's what I think of. Because he's holding these keys. He conquered something that we couldn't conquer. He defeated an enemy that we couldn't defeat on our own. Because he loved us. And because he is alive. We got, some, we got something to talk about. Folks, it's Easter morning. We got something to celebrate. Now, if it had been Friday, we'd been in the morning. We'd, we'd probably been all down and out. But as that the, the picture says, or that sign that everybody's uh, sitting around right now, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. Sunday's here. And he ain't. He, rolled, he left. That, that stone rolled away, and he left. He got out of here because he's alive. He is alive, and he's on the right hand of the Father right now. Just for you. Just for y'all. Stand with me this morning as we, as we close out. I'm still picking bacon out of my teeth. I'll savor that. Again, I do appreciate everybody that had a hand in, in cooking this morning. Uh, thank Tabitha for bringing a change of clothes for James. He cleans up nice. It was good to, to be able to fellowship this morning. I I really have truly missed that. And like I said, Thursday night, it's just it's just one of those things that 
that's part of the church is that that's that fellowship it's that bonding time that we have together and and he's right in the midst of it with us and and i know he is and i, I appreciate everybody's work this morning it was it was well worth it and uh, looking forward to getting back to a normal schedule here soon and, and wednesday night and all that's getting ready to take place with the teaching with the kids and with the adults and i'm i'm ready for it i don't know about y'all but i'm i've missed it a lot so we'll we'll get back to normal here soon. Does anybody have anything on their heart this morning before we we close out? I was getting ready to mention that. Yeah. So remember, remember Carolyn this week she's going back in. Yep. Thank you for keeping us in in the loop on that. And you know. I, I I can't say it enough. When somebody calls and asks the church to to help pray for something, folks, that's an honor. That's an honor for us. That means that person trusts our prayer life. And it pays off, don't it? Anybody else? All right, remember that, or both those. Anyone else? Thank you all again for coming out this morning and, and being with us for the, the Easter service. I, I was telling Marie, I was reading that, uh, this week, There's she's got some family that would say something like this, but they're, um, they were bashing churches that do sunrise services. Y'all may have seen this. It's 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 ridiculous. Because they say that we're worshiping the sun. <laughs> You're right, we are. <laughs> but not the sun they're talking about. <laughs> I'm thankful for a church that believes in the resurrection. Amen. I am. It just tickles me to death. Let's pray. Father, this morning as uh, we close out this Easter service, Lord, I, I can't I, Lord, I don't I don't have the words. Lord, that grave could have stayed sealed up. So much could have happened on that Friday. But it wasn't your will. Father, I'm so thankful for your will that you seen fit to roll that stone away, bring forth your son, and give us the promise of eternal life. Lord, I'm not worthy. I don't deserve it. Oh, God, but you're faithful and you're just and loving. And you love me for who I am. Sin and all, you still love me. I pray, Lord, that I be more faithful to you and to this church.
God, you continue to clear a path for us as we continue to try to move ahead and move forward in this world that we live in right now. It's a sin-sick world. We have a battle in front of us. But Lord, I'm behind the leader right now that I know is going to win. And Lord, I'm thankful for that. And I pray that you would bless us this week as we go forth. And Lord, we try to be a witness to those around us. We try to spread the gospel. Lord, we try with our hearts to reach out to that lost community that we might live in and lead those to Jesus. Lord, you've been mighty good to us. We've seen your hand in the past couple weeks like we ain't seen in a long time. God, we, we can't thank you enough for that. And Lord, if it takes eternity to thank you for it, so be it. I'm ready to thank you for it. And so I pray, Lord, as uh, Jerry continues to heal, Sage continues to heal, Rita's cousins, as they look for answers and look for healing, God, I pray that you would do just that, Lord, that you would just uh, be in their lives, you continue to touch and move, and, and I pray that everyone knows that it's because of you that they're healing, and, and these answers are coming, coming for them. Be with Carolyn as they go down tomorrow for this procedure. And Lord, I pray that you would grant a speedy recovery. And Lord, again, just thank you so much for what you've done for her and that family over the years. And God, I just pray that you continue to, to work in a great way in their lives. We love you, and again, thank you for this Easter Sunday that we've had. And I pray we not forget what this Resurrection Sunday is all about. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, guys, I'll, I'll see you all back in the morning.